Hi, I'm Oki. And I'm Caddy, and this is Books, Cats, and Snacks with Marge Simpson over there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my voice, you guys. I don't I lost my voice. I was screaming and yelling. Because that's what you do when you get married now. You just <laughs> no, scream kidding. and yell at him? Pretty much. Yeah. And uh, and I lost my voice. I don't know, it's so it's so weird. It's, it's so strange. It's funny. You're so raspy. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah, and especially when you have a podcast, you know, and you have a voice like this, you're like, what the hell? But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry about the delay. Talking about this book, there was a couple of weeks of ridiculousness for us, so we had a little bit of a backtrack we had to do. So that's why we're discussing this book this week, which is On Earth, We're Bravely Gorgeous. Yep. By Ocean Vuong. Next week will be our book shout out and we'll go back to our regular schedule programming. Regular. Yeah. But anyway. We'll get there, guys. We'll get there. You are going to get your content. Right. Because we felt really guilty. We're like, oh my God, I hope they don't think we're ignoring them. And right. You know, so before we get into this book, this is almost one of the heaviest, but not, but the confusing books for me that we've read it was so heavy. far. Yeah. It was heavy, for sure. Like we, we've dealt with some heavy ones, but this one is. Heavy it's a whole another like category heavy. to me. Yeah, yeah, different direction. Yeah, but let's sure. do your cat story first. <laughs> let's do something uplifting, uplifting before we go the opposite way with this book. So it's gonna be short and sweet because there's not really a lot. They've been actually pretty tamed. My house tigers. So <laughs> Cree, tigers. my house tigers, my house panther. Cree Creos loves the dryer, so okay. she's been like camping out on there because it's warm and it kind of you know moves. So she's just like vibing. With the dryer. It's pretty cute. I'm going to have to record it when she's just like, it's it's hilarious. (laughs) And she gets like little lint pieces on her. And I'm like, girl, we got to clean you. That white isn't looking so white anymore. But she does smell like April meadow rain (laughs) because she's been sitting in there. So I'm like, I mean, okay, I guess you you do. It's her way of washing. (laughs) Pretty much. And my mom has been under the weather this past week or so, this past weekend. She's been having a little bit of a cold. I thought that's what you had because I heard a lot of people got it. I thought so too, but... I mean, but I feel yeah, fine. But <laughs> just yeah, she's been having a cold voice. in bed and stuff. So Oreo has been like the improv doctor because she's well, no, I guess not doctor, but just kind of a just a sit in, if you will, because she's been attached to my mom at the hip. Oh. Anywhere my mom goes, Oreo's been with her. So she's been hanging out with my mom, not so much with me, but just kind of sitting on her, like sitting on her and purring. Okay, you know, because they said that cats purrs like the kind of the frequency at which they purr is a healing. A healing way. Really? So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. About that. There was a study, some somebody Something. in England. Yeah, I remember hearing about this. But yeah, it was cats purrs have a way of healing. And they're just good companions because they really don't acquire a lot, especially. So right. they just kind of want to sit and chill. And, you know, old people, my mother, they just want to chill. So she's been chilling with my mom and hanging out with her. My mom was like, she's actually been really good company. So it's it's nice. They use cats for like therapy animals. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and they actually... There and was dogs. This, That's yeah, what dogs, definitely. I saw this article about a nursing home. I think it was in Washington that they had their cats. There's three wings in this nursing home, and there's a cat per wing. And they'll Aww. meet in the middle, and they'll kind of have their catversation, and then they'll go off on their own. <laughs> yes, I said catversation. Like and an update. Yeah, and then they'll go on their business. But yeah, they just go in there and hang out with the folks. And I mean, it, it makes more sense to have a cat because... A dog's a little bit more active. You know, I can understand for, like, little kids and things. But, like, for, you know, elderly, they just want to sit and chill. A lot of them can't really do more than just sit and chill. Right. So a cat's perfect. Perfect. Oh, gosh. I had to do it. I had to. 
had to. So I figured that was that would happen at one point in time. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, in cats one of these episodes, is the name of our podcast. <laughs> so Creos is pretty much using my dryer to warm and chill herself. <laughs> Oreo has been the ultimate healer in my house. <laughs> so. I wonder what job Oreo will have next week. <laughs> next week is probably killing the houseplants all over again. <laughs> Just something totally opposite. Yeah, because she's had her eye on one of them. And I'm like, no. But she's too chunky to like jump up on that <laughs> shelf. <laughs> she's a little too thick right now, so she can't get to it. So she's like... But, you know, but Creos is like a flying squirrel just from across the room, I'm sure. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. Okay, well, let's move on to this book. Once Caddy and I finished reading this book, there's so much to say about it. A lot of it is just kind of a little bit confusing for me. Mm-hmm. But before we start it, we need to do a huge warning. That's Ooh, you, Caddy. Hey, content warning, spoiler, because we will be talking in depth about this book. There will be a lot of things that we do talk about that will spoil it if you haven't read it. So if you have not read it, I would definitely recommend that you read this book. And if it's a little too much, listen to the book. You know what I mean? Like we don't hate audiobooks or books. So listen to it if you want to. Also, there is uh, a lot of heavy graphic content in this book. Definitely some some trigger trigger warnings for physical abuse, um, mental illness, mental illness, drug overdoses, a little bit of animal cruelty in there, graphic sex, and uh, and graphic sex. Yes, it's in depth in this book. So if you're listening to this with your children, I would recommend you to just skip this one and maybe go to the next one right. or listen to this when you're by yourself. Because this is definitely not a book that you want to give to youngins, you know, right. definitely before they're, they've had that talk. It's even not, then, <laughs> even this then. is not even like rated MA. No, audience. this it's is beyond that. <laughs> yeah, this is like XXX, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe not to that extent. But yeah, guys, definitely it's a... This is definitely a book of trigger warning, definitely some spoiler alerts. So right. with that, let's go ahead and get into the book. Well, and because of all this warning, we do a virtual book club on Facebook. For this particular book, we're going to do what we did from our first book. We're just going to get on Facebook starting at 10 p.m. Central Time. Katie and I are just going to post some questions and we can discuss it, whether guys join us or not. Um, we will be available. Let's learn about Ocean. Our author first. Ocean Vuong. He was born October 14th of 1988. He was born in Vietnam. He actually was a refugee at two years old to to the Philippines. And then from the Philippines came to the States where he grew up in Hartford, Connecticut. He's actually won quite a bit of awards. He was the recipient of the 2014 Ruth Lilly uh, Rosenberg Fellowship from the Poetry Foundation. In 2016, he won the Whitting Award. And he was the 2017, he won the T.S. Eliot Prize for Poetry. And in 2019, the same year that this book was published, he got a MacArthur Grant. Wow. So yeah, he is a big, big deal, which... When you see in the book, you'll understand why. Because this guy truly has a way with with words. He knows his shit. (laughs) He was the first in his family to read at 11. Wow, okay. So not only was he the first to go to college, not only was he the first to graduate high school, he was the first to learn how to read. So it was a whole other level of generational accomplishments on this end, for sure. Um, He received an MFA in poetry from NYU. So this is his first novel, was in Honor Through Briefly Gorgeous, but he does have a collection of poems called The Night Sky with Exit Wounds that's really highly regarded as well. I've heard a lot of good things about that one. So On Earth is Briefly Gorgeous was originally a poem. It was a twenty four oh, yeah, I didn't know it was that. published in twenty fourteen. It's a poem. So from that he went on to write the book. To kinda expanded the book mm-hmm. to into a book. Because the poem is like really, really long, but it's it's really 
beautifully written. It's heartfelt and sad. And, and reading through this book, you could tell that he is a poet. Oh, God, yes. And you could tell that way. a lot of excerpts from the book is most likely from a poem that uh-huh. he had written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the way that it flows and the way that it's told, yeah. Right. So I'm going to read the about part of the book before we dive into this book. Mm-hmm. On Earth We're Bravely Gorgeous is a letter from a son to a mother who cannot read. Rin when the speaker, Little Dog, is in his late 20s, the letter unearths a family history that began before he was born, a history whose epic center is rooted in Vietnam. So you better read the first sentence. First sentence, guys. So let me begin. Dear Ma, I am writing to reach you, even if each word I put down in one word further from where you are. So, yeah. So that begins with him writing a letter. To his mom. Mm-hmm. I uh, I want to start real quick before we go into the beginning of this book or into this book. I want to say that I struggled through this book because as I read through the pages and the chapters and whatnot, I didn't enjoy it. But the words were written beautifully that I almost felt like, like I felt bad that I didn't enjoy it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that happen? Yeah. There are some parts where I didn't see the point of the the lyrical words, like mm-hmm. I get what he's trying to get to, but I felt like it wasn't necessary. And I felt like maybe I shouldn't feel that way and just enjoy the poetry part of it. I mean, I struggled with some parts. I thought the book was okay. I struggled with some parts of it because I'm not a poetry reader. And it was... Me neither, at right. some, Yeah, like I'm not a poetry reader. So in my own mind, I'm like, I'm not able to fully grasp the beauty in which it is. But I'm going to read it for what I'm taking from it. And it's just, it's kind of one of those, like, when you go out to eat, you may, you love the place. It's family owned. You really don't like the food. It's up to you. It's your opinion. That's your take from it. Do you go online and bash the restaurant? No, of course not. Do you say, like, this is the worst meal I've ever had? No, you don't. You just kind of take it for what it is. You may not come back. You may go back. It is what it is. But ultimately, just because you yourself don't like it doesn't mean that it's crap. Right. Yeah. But but see, I felt I struggled with that a little bit because, mm-hmm. and this is something that I did that I shouldn't have done, honestly. Mm-hmm. But after I read the book, I went to Goodreads, look at other people's reviews just to see what they thought. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, we all do this. We're all guilty of this, whether yeah. we read that book or not. Mm-hmm. And somebody had posted a review of this book saying that she didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. She's like, I get what you're trying to do. Pretty much everything she said in that review, that's what I felt also, like what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. And then somebody responded to her review saying, um, you just, you're not appreciating him enough and you're wrong and you need to appreciate his, his way of writing. And I felt like, don't, don't call me stupid just because I didn't enjoy it mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, that's how opinion. it felt. Yeah, right. That's my opinion. And yeah. I know that with the show, we talk about what happened with the book, what we thought of the book. Mm-hmm. And I want to give this book its praise that, that it was beautifully written. Yeah. And he had a way with words, absolutely. Yeah. And the story is really tragic. Yes. Extremely tragic, and it really gets you emotional. I would say if you love poetry, I would say go for it. It's, it's beautifully yeah. written. It is beautifully written. He is a very talented author. He's genius, the way he writes. The fact that you can take such a really tough subject matter and write it in such a beautifully flowy way in which you do, kudos to you. Right. But that's just but, not my right. it's not my cup of tea. I have to admit, I feel I feel kind of bad because there was at one point 
where he was explaining or describing something. It was beautiful. But I kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, can we just get to it, please? <laughs> and I know a, that may much. sound really arrogant of me or something. I don't know, whatever the word is. But mm-hmm. I, I promise you, we, I read through the book and there were parts that I'm like, seriously? Like, come on. <laughs> because I was so invested in these characters and I felt for these characters okay. to where when it's the 18th time that I read about this and this, I was just like, come on, like, give me more than that. Well, let's go ahead and start off. So we go to a character, Little Dog, and it kind of goes from Little Dog being a child to being Mm -hmm. a teenager to being a grown man. So he has different instances. His book is broken up into three parts, part one, part two, part three. There's not really like a chapter 14 situation here. So each, each part is set up to where it describes a certain, you know, a certain few years of his life. Right. Kind of what builds him to do what he does now and to kind of shape him and what the person that he is. And the main theme of the book, I think, in my own head, is that there's so many toxic relationships that he has. Right. And which, in a sad way, which with a lot of people that have dealt with abuse, it's like the only way you know how to have relationships if they are this way. He grew up with always mm-hmm. tragedy mm-hmm. or just in a really negative envi- yeah, unfortunate, yeah, unfortunate environment. environment yeah. So that's all he knew, really. Mm-hmm. You know, And even though he can see like other children or other kids in school mm-hmm. a certain way, but, he, but that's all he knew. Yeah. First, we get to meet his mom, yes. which is Rose. ultimately what... Yeah, her name's Rose, Rose, which is ultimately the person he's writing these letters to. Mm-hmm. Which, what I thought was interesting is because he wrote this mm-hmm. for her, but she can't read. Yeah. So then ultimately, I felt like he was writing all this to really truly understand what happened. Mm-hmm. Or how did we come out this way? Or in a way that, like, I wrote, this is how I grew up. It's just reality of the situation like mm-hmm. it is what it is kind of thing we get introduced to his mom and his grandma yeah i love grandma Lon. <laughs> yeah honestly i was a bit confused because mm. i knew that his mother was abusive to him mm-hmm. and he as a child he like longs for her yeah for her like approval and mm-hmm. longs for just her love little by little you see his growth of standing up to her yeah which i thought that that growth part, that was beautiful, you know, because you root for little dog. Mm-hmm. And a lot of part that got me with this book was it was a lot of jumping around. And sometimes I got kind of thrown off. I would have to like go back and right. go back because they mentioned grandma. They mentioned a part about grandma lawn really early. And then you don't really hear about grandma lawn until part two, like grandma right. lawn as an older woman, as an elderly woman. And I'm like, was that a prelude to this? And I'm like, wait a minute, are we back? There, there's a lot of jumping around. So you'll get kind of confused sometimes if you don't. Because he'll be one part he's talking about when he's four with the bully doing this. And right. then it goes back to the main storyline of him being 29 and doing something else. And I'm just like, okay. So I guess it's, it's that part kind of got to me. I didn't like the jumping around so much because I'm such a, I'm just, <laughs> I'm such a nitpicky person when it comes to timelines and schedules. So when you throw me off, I'm like, ah. You know, <laughs> but that's my own personal quirk. So right. that's the only thing I would say. Like, there's a lot of jumping around. It kind of got me a few times. I was like, wait a minute. So, am I reading it wrong? Am I going it wrong in my cuckoo brain? So that's me. <laughs> you sure. did fine, Kelly. Thank you. Fine, Carol. And the book starts off, and I like it because it kind of tells you a little bit of a backstory between why Mama, why Rose is the way that she is, why Grandma Lon is the way that she is, because they gave the backstory of how they kind of came to be, which is, it doesn't excuse the behavior in which he grew up in by any means. I'm not saying that, 
But once you hear her story, you kind of right. why this so, would happen, but not necessarily condoning the behavior by any means. Right. Grandma suffers from schizophrenia. Yes. And I thought for some reason at the beginning of the book that it was the mother that suffered from it. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because you immediately get thrown to where the mother is abusive to him. Yes. She would just kind of overreact to him a lot. If the, a toy makes a certain noise or if he didn't put some things away immediately. Mm-hmm. But it's just the mother being a product of... Grandma Lan being a schizophrenic who has been thrown along with her child being a whole different country. They can't read. They can't do this and that. And also it's the way the village treats her as well. Treats Rose as a child. Because Grandma Lan had an affair with with a white U.S. soldier in Vietnam in the 60s. And, or in the 70s, I think in the early 70s, and Rose was a product of that affair. Right. So she grew up with very white skin, red right. hair. At one point, she had like dark red hair, which is not curly too. Of course, when you look different and you you're are from, isolated, you're and the, you're they from picked the on enemy. Her. You're a you're a product of from an enemy. Correct. So of course, they're not going to look at they're not going to look at you like. Oh, you know, she's just another mixed kid. They're like, no, you, your, your dad's an American. Of course, they right. don't like you. She got bullied a lot when she was a kid, and then of course, living and with Grandma Land didn't grandma, make sure that she was protected in a way that that, that she was educated. Like, they were, yeah, and they were dirt. They were really poor. You know, Grandma Land right. had to turn to prostitution just to make ends meet for Rose, little dog's mother, as well as his aunt, aunt Mai. Yeah. She had to do all that, and Aunt Mai is a little bit older, so she's fully Vietnamese versus you know Rose, who is only who's. And then he talks about, I I thought that was interesting because Rose, she never went back to school because her school was bombed, napalm bombed, so she couldn't go back. The schoolhouse was completely destroyed, which was right. like five, six years old, so she never went back. Little Dog talks about why his mother's illiterate. I love how he gives everybody a backstory. He gives a reason of why it is. Why the He doesn't way just tell are, me yeah. mother's illiterate. Moving on. You know, he tells you her school was bombed. She only speaks rudimentary Vietnamese. But the fact that she looks like a white woman, she could pass for being a white woman. He talks about how whenever he would go out with his mom here in the States, how they would be like, oh, is this your little boy? Or like he or was adopted. Or he was adopted because she's a white woman. And his mother would speak to them and she would speak to them in broken Vietnamese because that's how she knew how to speak. She knew how to speak as a child. She doesn't know how to speak right. as an adult woman Vietnamese. And the people would get kind of thrown off and he would have to be her speaker, of course. And I love how he tells everybody, I came from her asshole. And you're like, uh. That was a funny yeah, part. Yeah, I was like. It was, a, it was also a, a, like a monumental part yeah. how he at that point had to speak for her. Speak for her. You yeah. know, he's grown enough to where he's the one that's leading the pack kind Pretty of thing. Pretty much. And right. when you're a child of immigrant parents, that usually the oldest child who goes to school in the States is usually like the advocate for the family. Right. There, you know, when we you're both seven, know this. <laughs> yes, we both know this very well. So you are IT, you are the form right. reader, you are the tax preparer, you're right. everything for this family, whether you're 30 or you're seven. It just kind of, that's how it happens. Right. You know, and um, little dog kind of got the taste. So he kind of feels that little bit of control. Because he's been abused by his mom, he'd always felt like he was nothing. Even his name they gave him was little dog, was right. even a derogatory term to him. And the fact that now he has power, he has a purpose because he has this way, and that's way he in the way he writes about it is really, like you said, a monumental part. And I just want to say that this is a fiction, but from what we've learned about how the author Ocean grew up, there's a lot of parallels, mm-hmm. a lot of similarities, yep. and of course we we don't know what part, or at least for me, I don't know what parts are really something that he had firsthand experience with, mm-hmm. but you get sunk into 
the story of his mom yeah. and the story of his it's, grandma. It's so real the way he writes it. You you feel like oh okay this may be a part that's truly his. He's right. taking from his own life. So yeah. you may be thinking okay you guys were just saying at the beginning that his writing is really poetic and lyrical and it gets annoying. But yet here we are saying the way he's written, you get really into it, really emotionally invested into it. Like that, I see how it's kind of working against each other. I'm just mm-hmm. saying that the story is beautiful. The way he tells us is really beautiful and emotional. It's just there are times that I could tell that his poetic side comes out that wants to like emerge out during whatever part of the story that gets away from it being a like a full novel. Mm. Okay. That's just me mm-hmm. working my way in, yeah. into how to explain how I felt about it. Another big relationship, before we get into that, as much as I like Grandma Lan, mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted to know more. More about Grandma Lan? About, no, about the mom. Oh, Rose. Because it was almost like Grandma Lan had schizophrenia mm-hmm. and her background and how she dealt with this and that because we do get to meet his grandpa, the his grandpa. white soldier guy. Yeah, which... We learned that he's not really Rose's father because when Grandma Lan met Grandpa Pa, she was already like four months pregnant. Right. So we learned that a little later. Right. We learned that a little bit later, but it's his his white grandfather that he speaks to with no issue. And I love the part where he talks to little dog, and he's like, "Oh, they're like, oh, you got a a dog walker." They were out walking his dog, like, "Oh, you got a dog boy." And then he's like, "Cause he's Asian, obviously, little dog is fully Vietnamese." And grandpa's like, this is my grandson. Right, yeah. And it's like your old white grandpa saying, this is my grandson. Just the that generation, how they see right. this particular, right, you know, this particular nationality. And it was, it was pretty powerful the way he spoke about it. Like, it was really subtle, but at the same time. But I felt like the relationship between Little Dog and Grandma Lan, the progression of it throughout the book, I mm-hmm. we get to know them pretty well. Mm-hmm. Even up to the cancer, up to her death. Yeah. And... Even his really lyrical way to talk about her body, how they took care of her body. In the meantime... And that his, part, how he wrote that part about Grandma Lan dying and the whole process of it, that was to be real. That was great. Yeah, that has to be a personal... It has to be a personal thing because that was real. I was thing. like crying at that point. I was like, yep. He made it so real and honest and to the point, you know, like this happens, this happens, this happens. He doesn't mm-hmm. need to flower it up. He doesn't yeah. need to romance it. Into the great beyond you go, and right. to the dirt you fall. No, Grandma Lan. Her body's frail. Her body's frail. And this and this happens. Uh, yeah. She got um, rigor mortis in her jaw, mm-hmm. the teeth, you know, the whole thing. So I enjoyed that part. It, it, like, all the flowery in the first part, but when it got to that, it got it got to the main point, which I was like, right. thank you for that. But see, we have all that material, mm-hmm. but I felt like there wasn't enough of that relationship of the relationship between him and his mother. Mm-hmm. I felt like perhaps he kept his mother as a villain mm-hmm. in his mind throughout this book. And that's why he chose to write to her instead of writing to Grandma Lan. Mm-hmm. Not write to his mother saying, this is, this is how I grew up. This is how you made my life. Mm-hmm. So then she continues to be a villain. The majority of the book, especially like the first half of the book, I felt like, where's the dad? Yeah. Like obviously, he's not in the picture. Yeah. And obviously, he's probably a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And maybe his mom was also a victim. Turned out later, she was a domestic was, abuse victim. She was horribly but domestically at, abused. Right. Also. But at the beginning, she was abusive to little dog. Like, what? where is this guy? Where is this father figure in his life? We didn't get much of that until a little bit later on. I don't think that he purposely didn't elaborate on Rose. I don't think he purposely didn't elaborate on his father because he didn't want to or because he didn't feel the need to or he hated them. I think he did it because he truly didn't know that much much more than what he was told. I mean, the last time he saw his gotcha, father is yeah. because his father left him at two. Rose and Grandma Lan sat with him. Grandma Lan told him stories. She spent time with him like they had experiences together. You know, him stealing the the flower, the purple flowers, because Lan was hiding them in that plastic bag. You know, them eating mm -hmm. the jasmine tea with the right. They had their experiences together. With Lan, Lan was his companion. Lan was his friend. They connected <laughs> in a sense. His mom, I felt that... Little Dog was her son, and she wasn't going to connect with him on that level. Maybe because Lon couldn't connect with her on that level, right. that Lon was able to connect with Little Dog. I think, honestly, it's because, you know how there's always a thing of where grandparents, they're parents, but then when they become grandparents, it's they treat that child so much more. And right. I think because they see the mistakes or they see the issues that they have with their current child, they don't want this child to have to that go through same, the same thing. So I think not necessarily because Little Dog didn't want to. I think because he right. didn't know Rose like that. She was always out to work. And when she would come home, she'd be tired. And when she came home, he always had to cater to her. He right. always had to rub her back. He always had to do her bath. Right. She had him as an arm's length. And I think because he really didn't know her like that. Like the first time they spoke about things was when he was like, what, set? I want to say he was like 17, 18. And they were in that coffee shop. And mm -hmm. that was like the first time they really had a real deep they spoke, yeah. talk versus Lon, who he talked to all the damn time. But I, I think that's why. Not because he didn't want, I just, I don't think he knew. Uh, my mom tells me everything. My dad was still like, he was a man in a shell. So, you know, it's not because I don't want to, but I just don't know that much. I think part of it was maybe because Little Doll is a product of her of Rose and the guy and the dad. He kind of reminds her of him mm -hmm. or the fact that he's a He's a male. All the men in her life are in a negative category and that she mm -hmm. just hates any patriarchal Maybe. anything. But I think there's also in my own head, there's that tinge, that twinge of jealousy that little dog is the one that has to speak for her. All right. He's got he's the one the reading. He's and the one going to college. He's going to be the one educated. Lon is doing this with him. And I think there's a little twinge of jealousy. I want to say too, just a little bit. It may not be like out, outward. But I think like 1% is there too, right. I would say. And I feel that reading throughout this book, you could see the the healing process mm -hmm. of Little Dog while writing to his mother. Mm -hmm. Even though a lot of the book doesn't really pertain to her, mm -hmm. it's more like him showing her that even though I went through all this, all this trauma, all this abuse, I myself went through a lot of trauma or went through a lot of like a drug addiction and this and that, I can still grow out of this. Mm -hmm. Because as much as we see the relationship between him and Grandma Lan, him and a mother, then there is one big relationship that really huge in his life, which is Trevor. Trevor is a whole other like, section of this book that's, yeah. like, that's also about his growth and his mm -hmm. trauma. Yeah. Kind of adds to the toxicity of it all. You want to say who Trevor is? <laughs> Trevor is uh, Little Dog's first love. 
yeah. I would say. Little Dog's first love. And Little Dog realizes that he is gay. He explores this with Trevor. And Trevor is not, oh, he's not out. Right. I don't think Little Dog is out himself. I think it's very much closeted. But, little but this dog, is their adolescence. Like we're in the he, section two of the book. It's section two, right? yeah. Because section one was like the history mm-hmm. and his, his little boy. family. Right now, section two, it's him at this point growing up as a teenager. He's about 14, 15, I want right. to say, at this got, point when he first meets Trevor. Right. He got himself a a, a job at a farm, mm-hmm. which He's, was really interesting, yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was really, yeah, he bites yeah, he ro- an hour yeah. to go to Virginia to work on this farm, and he meets a lot of colorful people there. And I love how he talks about the undocumented Latin American workers, how he each worker has a story, and it's always one more season, and we can go home. And hearing him talk about that, and just the sometimes when the crop doesn't come in, they fail, and they have to go one more season more than they wanted to, and that broke my heart. I was like, oh, how he the, talked about like Manny and all the other men, and they call right. him Chinito. Right. <laughs> when you're Asian, you're only Chinito or Chinita. Like right. they don't know you as any other. They don't know any other country other than Chinese. So right. you're, and they're like, they kind of mistake him for being Hispanic. Like, wait a minute, no, <laughs> Chinito, and they kind of like, right. There's a camaraderie in that. I thought that was pretty cute. That I, felt real too. I was like, you have to know somebody to be called that. Like, right. Yeah. I enjoyed this part of the book a lot, mm-hmm. mainly because I could see the distinction between Little Dog and the guys that he worked with. Yeah. Because these guys, as much as they work and they stay there, mm-hmm. it's all temporary. And they talk yeah. about that, like you said, like they're going to go home after this and this. He felt a connection because he was also an outsider. Mm-hmm. You know, he's also a minority. Yeah. But yet, this is his permanent home. Yeah. Like, he goes home and this is what he is. Like, there's no he, yeah. outside plan beyond what he knows, you know. Cause, and also, he's still really young. Mm-hmm. You know, once he finishes school, I honestly don't think he sees things beyond that at this mm-hmm. at that point. Because nobody's ever really kind of showed you or said anything about right. it. So it really is just up to teachers and counselors to tell you at this point. But then yeah. Trevor comes into the picture. Trevor is the grandson of the pretty much the owner of this farm, right. I would say. Uh, Trevor and Little Dog start off as a friendship. They start off as friends. They get closer and closer and closer to the point where they... They become sexual with one another. And this book had graphic Ooh, it was, yeah. sexual pages, you <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It um, was, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. We're not going to go into detail. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I can't go into detail with that with you guys. You're going to have to read it. But it, it's pretty graphic, and he explains the, the act of it, what mm-hmm. they do, how it's done, how he feels. And I thought it was really interesting how he writes how he felt beautiful, he felt wanted. It may be, you know, they have their relationship is with the gentleman or if you're a woman having a relationship with a man. That's just, that's anybody in a relationship when you first have it. That just that first feeling of wanting, that first feeling of quote unquote beautiful, like right. whenever you're having that. And it's, and when you're a teenager, everything is so, all your feelings are so heightened. Everything is to the utmost. So you can imagine how he's feeling, especially the growing up the way he did and someone's giving him this much attention, this much quote unquote love. Right. It's something special to him. And you see it. And it's kind of toxic because Trevor talks to him that he doesn't want to be the girl in the relationship. He doesn't want to be the bitch. So he doesn't want to be on the bottom or whatever. And he talks about that. And they go into details. And he tells you about how he feels in the relationship. and But you can see the difference between these two guys mm-hmm. as far as how they approach being gay. Yeah. You know, little dog, being still really young, he knows what he's attracted to. He knows he's gay. Mm-hmm. He's extremely curious about all the sexual 
deeds or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Trevor, on the other hand, he struggles coming to terms oh, with God, yes. why is he doing this? What he he knows what he wants, yeah, and he feels good about it, but he kind of struggles with it because he can't let his family know. Like his dad's a violent alcoholic himself, and right. they come from a very patriarchal white society, and he's in their little country. Like it's not going to be. Right. It's not going to be accepted. And because of all this, they get introduced to drugs. Yeah. Uh, heavy, heavy drugs, mm-hmm. especially with Trevor. Yeah, Trevor is into heroin. They start off smoking weed together, and then Trevor gets into heroin and fentanyl and all those things, and it's just, it's a lot. And he talks about his his neighborhood as well. It's, you know, a lower-income neighborhood. He talks about all the people that he sees and things and how he sees a lot of his friends are OD from these drugs. So he's seen the ODing part, you know, and mm-hmm. he sees it with Trevor. He's like, this is Trevor. I have to accept him as he is. Like, I can't right. do anything for him in a sense. Because I think in the back of Little Doll's mind, he's like, I'm not always going to be with Trevor. You know what right. I mean? Like, because Trevor talks about it. And, and it's really interesting, this part where he where he asks Little Dog, like, are you going to be gay for, like, the rest of your life? As if it's a, it's a right. stage. And Little Dog's like, yeah, like, this is how I feel. That's how I'm going to be. And Trevor's like, no, not me. I got a couple more years and, I'll, and then I'll be over it. I'll be okay. So they know they themselves, they're at a temporary job that they do every summer at this farm. Their relationship also itself is temporary because at the end of the day, they do come from two different worlds. Trevor also gives him such a, just a tenderness, the right. feeling, even though he's so rough with him when they do things, he's still <laughs> thing, quote unquote things. Look at me. I sound like my mother. When they do things, <laughs> um, he's still tender with him. He still shows him love right. and care. I mean, it's a relationship. You know, he loved him. That was his right. first for every, most things, yeah. That was the second part of the book. Yeah. Because we have three parts. Mm-hmm. And then we move on to the third part of the book, which to <sighs> me, it's death. Oof. It's about death. Yeah, pretty Little much. Little Doll deals with Grandma Lon's death. Yes. Which is, I think, was beautiful. It was written. great. Oof. And I then, was like, no, Grandma Lon. Like, I knew it was going to come. Like, I knew there was going to be a part. Right. But I was just, like, I know she went through a lot of things and just the way she was with him. And, and I think it's him having to come yeah. to term with... That was the one person he really connected with. Yeah. And now it would be him and his mom. Yeah. Which I think improved their relationship because grandma was gone or Mm. he was hoping to. It was kind of like that one little part that kept them. And then the big death, even though I think Grandma Lon's death was... Huge. Pretty huge, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the big death we find out is also Trevor. Trevor. And his grief about Trevor during this end part of the book I thought was really powerful. Mm Mm-hmm. But like I said, there were a lot of really poetic, lyrical parts where I felt like, all right, the author was pulling away from the novel itself a little bit, kind of like reel it back into a novel versus like his poetry. Mm-hmm. But it was still beautifully written. Yeah. And um, just knowing that... Trevor died. OD'd. He yeah. OD'd and they found him like in his room just by himself. So he died by himself. And talk about that being really That sad was tough. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just also, dying by yourself in any ways, but just dying in that way from the OD, like he had to be feeling right. spasm. And there was one part during this grief period, Yeah, he questioned if Trevor knew what happiness was. Yeah. And he was questioning himself, like, what what is happiness? Because he grew up with such, like an unfortunate... Tragic, unfortunate. Yeah. He dealt um, with a lot household. of things that probably in this first 10 years of life that most of us wouldn't deal with with, the, with their whole... 80 years span. He dealt with physical abuse from his mother. He dealt with his father not having a father in his life. He dealt with bullies at school. Right. He dealt with his grandmother having schizophrenia. You know, there's a lot of things. And, and bullying was really bad. Like, he goes into debt with these bullies, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. 
Yeah. Jesus Christ. And his mother just keeps telling him to be tough. You got to stand up for yourself. Yeah. And little dog is like, I don't know she, how. She had to be tough she herself. She had to be tough herself. She, yeah. And she could only offer so much. So much. You know? Yeah. Because she herself wasn't taught how to right. deal with it in a sense. He recognized of how the relationship, him and Trevor, was really toxic. Mm-hmm. Because, one, they didn't really address issues of Trevor not accepting that he was, he was gay. gay. Yeah. And also, they were harmful to each other because of the drugs and they definitely didn't try to stop or trying mm-hmm. to have each other held accountable for yeah. their drug use. Yeah. And I also think Trevor knew that little dog was more than what he was. He knew that little dog was going to go do things that were right. greater and bigger than he Which is, which which is he beautiful. And it shows he, that Trevor cared. Oh, care, Trevor cared deeply for little dog. He always did. I questioned sometimes his idealisms. I mean, his ideals and things that he did, but I never once questioned that his feelings for little dog. Right. I always knew that he loved him deep down. That was true. That was great. That was real. But everything around it, you were like, what the hell? But the way he said goodbye, you're going to do great things. But he didn't draw it out because he didn't want to. He's like, you deserve more than what I can give you or what you got here. I'm not going to screw that up for you. You need to go. Going back to when Little Dog was asking about happiness, I'm going to read a little part. Go for it. In the book, this is him with his grief with Trevor. It says here, maybe in the next life we'll meet each other for the first time, believing in everything but the harm we're capable of. Maybe we'll be the opposite of buffaloes. We'll grow wings and spill over the cliff as a generation of monarchs heading home. And then also he wrote, I'm sorry I keep saying how are you when I really mean are you happy? And I thought it was really a yeah. nice quote from the book. I, there was another part in the book. I I should have written it down. I forgot to like highlight it. But <laughs> there was a part in the book where he talks about how when you want to get out of the life that you have. And oftentimes people are just scared. They're scared for you. They're scared for themselves. That's truer than true. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're in this little town life and this is all you know, it's hard and it's fearful and it's fear and it's also the unknown. Right. You don't know what's going to happen outside of this small town because I come, you know, come from a small town. Oftentimes it's you don't know what's outside of the small town. So it's fear. Truly it's fear. And they hide that with ridicule and insecurities but ultimately it's fear and the unknown you're too scared to do what you do and he talks about that in this book about the people around him being too scared of what's outside of this and he's like but you know i gotta do what i gotta do but that's the beauty of this book to where you feel he did it in much beautiful and poetic way of course but you know that's just my dumb dumb reasoning behind it (laughs) but you said it perfectly the people around him around little dog Mm -hmm. have this fear of change Mm -hmm. and so they act out a certain way yeah. throughout this book but you f- you feel this potential from little dog of him rising above all this him moving on to become someone great him moving on to become really educated and pull himself out of this funk and what had to happen for him to be able to succeed was letting go of Trevor mm-hmm. and the drug use, being at peace, realizing and appreciating Grandma Lon, yeah. realizing who his mom is, and there's no change there. Yeah, there's not going to be a change Otherwise, there. he wasn't going to be able to move on yeah. to become successful. With weights that were weighing you down, you got to kind of let it go. Right. You know? To me, writing this book was like a therapeutic way oh, yeah. for him to grasp that part of his life. This wasn't a memoir. Like we said, it's a fiction. Mm-hmm. But from what... 
we've known about the author, it has a lot of the elements is what the author went through. I'm sure like, you know, him writing the book coinciding with little dog writing the letter to his mom, it's kind of both of their way of grieving and both of their way of realizing through a tragedy. And even the title on Earth were briefly gorgeous. That kind of just sums it up. I love that title. Yeah. To me, this is truly what happens when Caddy and I (laughs) record these book episodes because at the beginning we would be like, well, we kind of like it okay. You know, it was great. But, and then once we talked, throughout the book and how emotional it gets or how it, much it made sense, suddenly this book just becomes alive and mm-hmm. well done so much more. Like, yeah. like I, the more we talk about this like this, I began to enjoy this a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think because it's nice to hear somebody else reason with you, you know, and because while you're reading, it's all in your head, like, really, did this happen? Or yeah. I don't understand this. It also this. answers your questions, too. yeah. And just like him, like it's his, it's kind of like our therapy when we do certain things. Like once we talk it out, we get it through and mm-hmm. we get to a conclusion. Much like him, he's writing it out, getting it through. I'm assuming that's what's going on. Right. So it's a lesson to both of us. So you thank know? you, Ocean Vong. I thought the book was beautifully done, but mm-hmm. but yes, I'm still kind of kind of iffy with it with some of the parts, mainly because mm-hmm. I wanted a like a like a full blown novel, epic. Yeah, Tragic. and. There were parts where I got kind of lost in, I don't know, confused when it comes to certain of his stuff that he wrote because I don't really, I'm not a big poetry person. Mm-hmm. And and that's unfortunate because I feel like maybe I would have enjoyed those parts a lot more. I liked it. I, I thought it was okay. I liked it. Like I said, it's a little, some parts are a little too flowery for me and I'm not a poetry reader, but that's just because it's not my taste, not necessarily means that this book isn't good. Right. But I, you know? I wondered though also that why was it necessary to put extremely graphic parts in there? I get it. You want to get to the root of what Little Dog was going through sexually. You want to get to the like the raw, the core mm-hmm. of how Little Dog felt. But I still didn't feel the need for extremely graphic. I wasn't offended by it. I wasn't. I mean, it's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were times where I was like, well, is this really necessary? That could be said with, he talks about his mom's physical abuse. I know. Or the way. I felt the heaviness of that. Yeah. So I I didn't mind that. So maybe that's mm-hmm. that's what's wrong with how we view some of these books. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so you didn't mind the physical abuse of hitting a child, but you minded like the sexual part of this book. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I I understand you put certain things in the books to derive, mm-hmm. you know, emotions. So that's why the sexual part, I was like, was it necessary? Because during that sexual part, Little Doll talked a lot about the emotions of it. How he mm-hmm. felt about it, how Trevor acted or how he acted. I'm thinking also maybe like at that point in time, he was what, about 14, 15 ish. That's how a 14 or 15 year old thinks and speaks. That's true. Maybe yeah, that you're could right. be it. When you're 14, 15 years old, I mean, there, there are some out there that are fully eloquent, but a lot of them aren't. I mean, I no, I wasn't. So, I mean, so <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I was not eloquently spoken at 14, 15. <laughs> well, but. that concludes our discussion of On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. So thank you, Ocean. That was a beautifully written book, really Mm -hmm. emotional and Mm -hmm. really personal, I would say. We already picked our next book. Caddy? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's my pick this time. It is. It is The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. It's spooky. 
It's wildly popular. Yeah, it's really popular. It's a spooky book. So, <laughs> it's like our midway to almost Halloween. Yeah, so let's do something. It's not what I normally would pick, but I figured, you know what? I'm just going to stretch it out. <laughs> I'm just going to go out because the last book I picked was about a bunch of people dying on a bus. <laughs> so I figured, you know what? Oki picked a. I picked another emotional a one. Heart wrenching book about yeah. overcoming adversities. And now I pick a book about. Spooky, ghosts. Uh, ghosts and hotels. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we get, guys. That's what we get. So our next week is our book shout out mm-hmm. where Caddy and I talk about a couple of books that we've been exposed to. Mm-hmm. And check us out on our Facebook virtual club. book club so we can talk more about mm-hmm. this book. Check us out on Instagram. Yeah. Our page where we put up silly things where Oki does her TikToks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try. She does. <laughs> they're, real, they're really good. They're really good. Thank I you. try. I try. I just I'm just not like <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a millennial in all the sense of the word except when it comes to like to that. To like technology. Social media I stuff. An, I am an 80 year old woman when it comes to technology <laughs> y'all. It's okay. So we'll bad. see you next time. Bye. Bye. This was going to be books, cats, and possums. Possums? Yeah. I I don't... (laughs)